two men bring an offering to the Lord, one of the fruit of the ground, the other the firstborn of his flock. God accepts one and rejects the other. Why? Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. The word tells us clearly that the offering Abel brought was the firstborn of his flock. But it doesn't say that Cain brought the first fruits of his crops. It simply says, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. Cain harvested his crops and over time gathered enough to bring an offering. It was an offering on Cain's terms. God accepted Abel's offering because it was the first of his increase. Cain's offering was rejected because it wasn't the first of his. Giving the first to God requires faith. When a firstborn lamb is born in a flock, it's not possible to know how many more lambs that you might produce. But Abel gave his firstborn lamb in faith, whereas Cain made sure he had enough for himself before giving to God. Many of us treat God the same way as Cain, making sure we have enough money before we see if there's anything left for God. Even if we give from what's left over, God can't accept the offering because it's not the first fruit. Other stories emphasize this truth. In the account of the fall of Jericho, the Lord gave strict instructions that the Israelites were not to keep any of the spoils from Jericho. All of it belonged to him, the Lord declared. Jericho belonged to the Lord because it was the first city conquered in the promised land. It was the first fruits. God withheld his blessing from Israel when one man took some of the spoils for himself. The first belongs to God. There was much more at stake than money when Abraham offered his firstborn son Isaac. When God asked for his son, Abraham didn't wait to have ten sons before giving Isaac. He gave the first when he only had one to give. Abraham had only the promise of having more sons. It took faith for Abraham to offer Isaac. Faith that God respected and blessed. And God did the same for us. He gave his first in the form of his son, his first and only begotten son, who was given to us while we were still sinners. God gave Jesus in faith that we might one day give our lives to him. The gift of his son came before the blessing of our repentance and salvation. We give our first fruits in much the same way. Before we see the blessing of God, we give it in faith. Giving the first fruits of your income says to God, I recognize you first. I am putting you first in my life, and I trust you to take care of the rest. So this next week, uh, we're giving away food and clothing. And so if you if you want to donate, we desperately need more of these bags. Um, these are the big ones. If you go to Walmart, they're 50 cents, but don't get the small one. We may end up uh, not having a choice and have to give several small ones. But if you can get some of these bags and bring them to us, we'd appreciate that. It's not too late to bring food and clothing. We want to also have um, at least some shirts for the different schools, the, the uniform for the kids. So if you can do that, get that to us by 
Wednesday night. We're going to set all the tables out by Wednesday night, and then we'll have stuff on uh, for sale in Anderson County. And we've sent out cards to the hundred families who came, the one hundred families who came last time. And so we're going to have a big crowd here. If you want to help us on Saturday morning, be here about eight thirty, and we'll get things kicked off. Now we started our new series. <clears throat> And um, it's called "This Is What We Do," and so I need to I need to just get everybody on the same page. So we said that this um, suitcase represents a person's life, just in, in any person's life. We said that every person is a is a child uh, is a creation of God, but not every person is a child of God. God created this this um, this suitcase or this life with a with a God shaped void on the inside. He's he's brilliant. He put us he put something in there, and he made us to worship, and we're going to worship something whether it's ourself or money or job or power or whatever, we're going to worship something. Now, um, this person can become a child of God by asking Jesus to be the forgiver of their sins and the leader of their life. Until you do, you're not going to go to heaven. That's what the scripture says, very clear. So when you ask Christ to forgive your sins and lead your life, then he comes in and and uh, he adopts you as his child. We said that the Holy Spirit, whenever he comes to live inside of you, always, he always brings a gift. And so you have a spiritual gift. It's different than your natural talent talents and abilities. Your natural talents and abilities were given to you at birth. Your spiritual gifts are given to you at rebirth. Now, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, one of our Bible studies this uh, fall, one of our small groups is going to be network. It's the best um, that I've ever gone through, the best spiritual gifts assessment and, and, and teaching. In fact, it was where I believe that God really solidified in my life that I was supposed to be a pastor. Um, Janie and two of my best friends at the time did an assessment about who, who I was as a Christ follower and what my gifts were. And so they asked them to observe all this stuff, all of these questions. And at the end, they were supposed to list what they saw as my gifting. All three of those people, without talking to each other, put number one slash teacher. And so when I got those back from my friends who knew me well, it was a confirmation that I'm supposed to be in this role of, of being a pastor and being a teacher. And so if you go through that small group, Jeff Gillis is going to teach that you'll get a book and you'll actually go, you'll have some, um, assessments from your friends and family that know you best. And it will help you figure out what your spiritual gift is. Now we're also going to have a small group where for respect it's for couples. Actually, it's for anybody who ever thinks they might get married or who may know someone who's married, who might ever ask a question about marriage. You can have all of this stuff. It's awesome. Um, Casey's going to be leading that one. Um, and then we're going to do another foundations. If you have ever wondered why we believe the Bible, why, what we believe about God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, what we believe about creation, about salvation, what we believe about eternity, about the second coming, that's a foundations class. Now, we obviously cannot finish that in one semester, but we will start it in one semester and then we'll just keep going semester after semester. Then we're also going to do Financial Peace University. I've been, I've been a minister for almost 34 years now, 19 years as youth minister and then, then 15 as, as pastor of this church. And the, the two biggest things I'm always asked by couples that are struggling, the two biggest problems they have, um, are how do we, how do we get along? How do we, how do I deal with this other human being that's of the opposite sex? Um, and there's problems there. God, God has a sense of humor. He created us different on purpose. You have strengths. And, and, and so you're supposed to be male. If you're created male, you're supposed to be female. If you're created female. And when you come together as one flesh, there's going to be some issues. We're going to teach you how to deal with that. There's something called the crazy cycle that everybody gets on. Um, when they don't know how to deal with the opposite sex, and we're going to teach you how to get off the crazy cycle. Come to, come to Casey's class. 
The, uh, the other thing that people always say is money. We have issues with money. Dave Ramsey is going to walk you through in Financial Peace University how to do money God's way. And, and he was, he had a million dollars, blew it all because he did all kinds of debt and all kinds of, he calls it stupid tax. He played, uh, paid a bunch of stupid tax because he bought things and he was over leveraged. Well, then he went back and he studied God's word and he figured out what God has to say. Now he does, does money God's way and he's helped literally hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people worldwide now figure out how to do money God's way. So if you want to do one of those, then, then we're going to help you. Those are going to start on September 10th, our small groups. Now, we also said that God created you. The difference in your spiritual gift and your, and your passion or your natural abilities is you get spiritual gifts when you're reborn. You get your, your natural talents and abilities when you're born. Physical birth, spiritual birth. You're passionate about certain things, and God is very concerned with your heart. All today, we're going to be talking about your heart and an indication of your heart. Now, we also said last week that um, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs, not greeds, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So we believe it all belongs to God. My finances belong to God. My next breath belongs to God. Everything, Janie and I pray, we, we pray at night and we say, God, would you protect the stuff you've given us? It's your stuff. Whether it's the house or whether it's this church or whatever it is, rent house that we have, it's your stuff. Would you protect your stuff? It all comes from you. Now, we're going to talk about several things today, but if we're going to understand... um, Oh, and by the way, two weeks from today, we're going to have baptism. Uh, We'll have a couple of testimonies, baptism testimonies, and we're going to do the Lord's Supper because this is what we do as believers. Uh, Two of the things, we call them ordinances here at at New Life. Um, There are two ordinances. One is the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, as often as you do it, remember him. We'll talk about what the Lord Lord's Supper means. We'll have baptism. Um, baptism means somebody who has already asked Jesus to be the forgiver of their sin, the leader of their life. They've been adopted into the family of God. The very first thing that God wants us to do to be obedient is to publicly acknowledge him through baptism. We'll talk about those things two weeks from today. Uh, and we're also going to have a little bit of an extended worship on that day. So we want you to be here. That's Labor Day weekend. Now, if we're going to understand... Um, who God is and how he operates, we need to understand a couple of principles. What you do in scripture, anytime you're trying to study scripture, you need to understand that, that there was, there were original hearers. You need to understand what the original hearers were, were hearing, why they said that. But then there's a timeless principle that God is just rocking my world as I'm studying the Old Testament. There are so many timeless principles that I did not know until this time through the Bible. There's a timeless principle that you have to mine from, from then. So we're going to talk about a timeless principle today. And one of the first ones, comes from when God created the world. He created it in six days, and the Bible tells us on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. So when God created humans, he said, set one side uh, aside one day a week to worship me. So God operates on this principle, first things first. This is the principle, the timeless principle that we're going to pull out, and then we're going to add to that. Now, when God talks about first, he talks a lot about first, and I want to show you something from Exodus chapter 13. Now, what's going on here is Moses is at the, is at Mount Sinai. They've already come out of Egypt with all these Israelites, over 600,000 men, so there may be two million people camped at the, at the, at Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up to get the law from the Lord, and look what God says to him in the law. Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. 16 times in the Old Testament, God says the firstborn belongs to me. 
Now, what was going on at this point, if, if it was a clean animal, if an animal was born, it was clean, and there were certain animals that God declared clean, and it was because of sanitary reasons, different things like that. But if it was a clean animal, the firstborn had to be sacrificed. If it was unclean, so like snakes were unclean, and, and there were different animals that were unclean. If it was an unclean animal, and you wanted to use it, say a donkey or something, you wanted to use that, you had to redeem it by sacrificing a clean animal. You sacrificed the firstborn of the clean, you redeemed the firstborn of the unclean. There was no third option. Now you need to understand God is a God of details. God never does anything by accident. And this whole idea of the firstborn belongs to him is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Because we know that, that Jesus was his firstborn human, uh, that, that his father is God. He doesn't have an earthly father. He came through Mary, and, and he was born of the Holy Spirit. You and I were born different. Jesus was born clean. He was born without fault. He was spotless. You and I were born with our, with our father's sin nature. So we were born unclean. And if you're born clean, you have to be sacrificed. If you're born unclean, you have to be redeemed. We know that Jesus came to redeem us. And we know this very clearly because when John the Baptist was baptizing in the river, Jesus walks up one day, look what John the Baptist says. He says, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Did I skip that one thing, Bobby? Okay, I'm I'm good. So the lamb of God, he's talking about the, the sacrificial system of the old Testament in the old Testament, a lamb had to be sacrificed. Blood had to be spilled. A perfect, innocent lamb had to be, uh, killed and you had to be covered with the blood for you to even be declared acceptable in the sight of God. We don't still offer, um, animal sacrifices because of what Jesus did. Jesus was sacrificed once for all. And because of that, we don't have to sprinkle the blood if you've come under the blood. So you have two options when you stand before God. Either you're under the covering of Jesus and God says, you're you're one of mine, you're a child of mine. Or you stand and you say, I rejected Jesus. And God says, therefore, because you rejected my son, I reject you. There's no third option. And here's the crazy thing. God gave Jesus before we believed. Say before. Say before. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I want you to say, God gave Jesus before we believed. Say that. I want you to emphasize the word before. God gave Jesus before we believed. Say that. Giving before something else is a principle, a timeless principle from the scriptures. And it's the whole idea behind the tithe. In, in, in all of the scripture, you obey first and then comes God's blessing. In fact, when Moses, God says, here's a sign that I am sending you to Pharaoh. So before he ever goes to Pharaoh, he says, you're going to come worship me with all the Israelites on this, on this mountain. God said, here's the sign. You go to Pharaoh, do all of those crazy things. And then several months down the road, you'll be worshiping me here and you'll go, oh, God said this was going to happen. You obey first, then comes blessing. You give first, then comes blessing. Now we know that, that God said the firstborn belongs to him. Now look what he says in Exodus 23, 19, still the law. And we're going to talk about the law for just a second. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord, your God. I want you to circle that word. If you have your listening guide, there's, there's a word bring at the first of that verse, bring, what are you to bring the first fruits, the best, where are you to bring it? The house of the Lord. So write this down. First fruits belong to God. 
We are to bring our tithe, the first part of our income, to the house of the Lord. Not to a television ministry, not to a missionary, not to somewhere else you want to give it. God is very clear. The first part, the first fruits, is supposed to come to his house. And that means wherever you worship. If you're a guest here, you're not supposed to give it here. If you're a regular attender somewhere else, you should be giving wherever you go, wherever you are fed. That's where God calls you to give 10% of your income. Now, it's the first of your first fruits that matter. I love what it said on this video. If you give the last of your first fruits, it's unacceptable in God's eyes. So we know that thousands of years before God gave the, the uh, law to Moses on Mount Sinai, Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. And we're told that, that uh, well, I just got to show you this. He said it on the, on the video, but I want you to see this from the scripture. The problem with, with their um, sacrifices or their offerings. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented... Go ahead and put that up there if you would, Bobby. Cain presented what? Some. Remember that word. When it came, when it was time for the harvest, now on the, on the, uh, the literal translation says in the process of time. So the idea is just sometime down the road, Cain brought some of his offering. Remember that. When it was harvest time, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from the flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. Cain offered some, Abel offered the best, which one did God accept? The best, the first. So the idea is God got the leftovers from Cain, he said, that's not acceptable. He says, the firstborn belongs to me, the first fruits belong to me, first things first. God is never pleased when we bring leftovers. And, and one of my favorite verses, I learned this a long time ago, and actually my brother and I worked with him one, one summer, and he used to teach me, we used to memorize scripture, we, we memorized the whole, um, chapter of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs chapter three, and, and one of, you know this verse, Proverbs three, five, and six, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. People quote that all the time. I don't hear anybody quote the next couple of verses, actually going down to verse nine. Look what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the what first fruits of your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine now we know the israelites were an agricultural people and i hear people say this all the time well that doesn't even matter to us because we're in the new testament but is it such a stretch to say that however you pay your bills whatever it is that god provides for you is the fruit of your labor and it allows you to live and shouldn't you honor god with the fruit of your labor that's not a stretch is it say no thank you for playing God says, bring the first part and I will redeem the rest. I'll bless the rest. Now, that actually brings up a question. Actually, two questions. And and I think that if you've been paying attention or if you've been in a church at any at all, you're going to answer the first question very easily. Here's question one. I have 10 $1 bills here. According to the tithe, which means 10%, what is the tithe on these 10 $1 bills? One dollar, you've been paying attention. Now my question, my harder question is, which one of these ten one dollar bills is the tithe? Okay, the first one, but but hang on. Is is it is it your left, my right? Is it my right, your left? Which one is the first one? Hang on, don't answer that. Don't answer that. Let's say that this ten dollars represents how much you've been paid for a month or whatever pay period you get, maybe every two weeks. Let's say that you take um, some money and first thing you do is you pay some mortgage. 
And the first service, they go, no. And I said, you're right, but shut up. Let me finish my illustration. They're like, no, don't give away the first part. So you give away to your mortgage, your car, your cell phone, your, your dish network. And then at the end, you have, you write your check. They'll do that or you go to push pay or whatever. But at the end, you have your tithe for the Lord. Now, let me ask you this. I'm not trying to be dogmatic, but this is where God is rocking my world. Is the last one your first fruits? No. Yesterday, yesterday, day before, day before yesterday, I went and I deposited some checks uh, for mowing. And, you know, I wait until I have four or five and then I go and deposit them. And normally I sit right there in the, in the little thing. I don't care if somebody's behind me. I pull up push pay. It takes all of 10 seconds to go through push pay and to give my first fruits. But I don't know what was going on. Something was happening and I was in a hurry and I drove out of the bank. And this whole thing that I've been studying, God says, don't you spend the first fruit. And so I come up to the red light and I thought, oh no. I forgot. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be dogmatic. If you feel guilty about giving, don't give. God convicted my soul and I pulled up push pay and I gave my 10% right then because I want to give the first, not the last. Because that's what scripture says. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. So the answer to this question is, which one is the tithe? It's the first money spent is the first fruit, right? I'm just throwing money everywhere. It's a buck. You can't even spend that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the first one given. Um, how much faith does it take to pay everything else first and then give God the leftovers? I've been reading this book by Robert Morris. Um, it's called The Blessed Life. He's a pastor at uh, Gateway Church in, in uh, Grapevine up in that area. I want to read something to you. He says, there are so many blessings that go along with tithing, but it's the principle of putting God first and the principle of faith that initiates the blessings. It's the trigger of the blessings. The first portion is a portion that redeems the rest. The first portion carries the blessing. That's why you don't want to give the first portion to the mortgage company. Unfortunately, it seems that many Christians fear the IRS and the mortgage company more than they fear God. Another way to say it is they respect them more than they respect God. The tither says, yes, I have a stack of bills, but I'm going to give to God first and trust him and bless and he will bless the rest of my lump of cash or whatever. Now, Dave Ramsey talks about this. Dave had a million dollars. He had this, this real estate empire. He got a million dollars and then he got all kinds of in debt and he lost a million dollars. And he went home and he told Sharon, his wife, he said, we're in debt. We don't have money to do anything. He was a broken man. He said, I'm going to start doing things God's way. And he rebuilt his life following God's principles. And that's what you're going to learn in Financial Peace University. But one of the things Dave did was he, he made a list and he put God first. He said, I'm going to start tithing off the top. Then I'm going to save 10% and then I'm going to pay bills with the rest. I'm going to go as far as I can. I'm just going to list the most important things and then whatever falls below how much money I have. Too bad. And so he gets a call one day and this guy says, hey, you owe me money. And he said, well, sorry, you're below the line. And the, the, the caller had never, you know, the debt collector, he'd never heard this before. He goes, well, how do I get above the line? And Dave's like, I don't know, give me some kind of, give me some kind of discount. I don't know, but, but he said, I'm going to pay God first and then I'm going to do this and then everybody else. And as God provides, then I'll pay off the rest of my debt. And that's the way God operates. Now here's the timeless principle. Honor God and he will honor you. I'll sign up for that deal. I want the God of the universe honoring me. So I better honor him first. 
It's the idea that the first part of my income should go to the house of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, that was the temple or the tabernacle. In the New Testament, that is the local church. And we're talking about bringing. We're not talking about giving. And and in case you don't understand, I need to illustrate this. The difference in bringing and giving. Uh, Somebody bring me a $100 bill. Oh, there he comes. Look at that. Oh, cornbread. My buddy's going to bring me a $100 bill. Is that real? Did you see how quickly he got up? It's almost like that was staged. You know why he was so willing to bring this to me? It's mine. Sucker didn't give Jack. He brought me what was already mine. I gave this to him so he would bring it to me. Somebody bring me $10. That's for you. Is that a good deal? I get his 10, he gets my 100. Is that a good deal? How many of you going, oh shoot, I should have done that. Some of you have been here before. If you didn't do it, then that's your problem. You okay with that? That that exchange? Two thirds of of his court costs. Well, God blessed you today, brother. This is exactly what God offers you. If you were to walk outside and there's some dude right there before you go out, it would be kind of dangerous if you went out in the middle of 155. We'll we'll put him over here in the parking lot. And some guy goes, hey, exchanging $10 for 100, how many of you are going to take that deal? That's what God offers you. And I'm praising God we don't have a third service. Honestly, when I thought yesterday, I thought, oh, dude, last time we did this, we only had one service. <clears throat> now, why 10%? I don't know. God could have said, everybody bring 50 bucks a month. For some people, that would have been a stretch. For other people, it would have, would have been pocket change. 10% puts us on equal footing and reveals the condition of our heart, and God only cares about your heart. He doesn't want your money and some of you are going, good, because he's not getting it. I hear that all the time. I love it when you say God doesn't need your money. He's not getting my money. Well, that's between you and God. Um, the reason we're talking about 10% is because that's what God says in his word. And, and the church, our church isn't going to close its doors. We're going to keep paying the bills. God has been blessing our church. And some of you are looking around going, man, this church is doing okay. They don't need my money. Well, again... In some ways that's true. That's between you and God. But we give because God gave first. Jesus was like God's tithe. Jesus, God gave, uh, God gave Jesus before we believed. He was a tithe. And we give out of gratitude for what he's already done. And if you want to know the secret, the secret sauce to God blessing your finances, the secret is in the first 10%. We give that. God says, I'll supernaturally be involved in the other 90%. So my question is this. Do you want 90% of your income supernaturally blessed by the God of the universe? Or do you want 100% of your income cursed? Those are the two options, blessing or cursing. And in, in case you think I'm just making this up and I'm being too harsh, those are not my words. They come from God. Malachi chapter 3. God says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Tithes, the first 10%. Tithe is the baseline. Offering is what you do over and above that. He says, you're ripping me off in both of those tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. 
God says when we don't bring the 10%, 100% of our income is cursed. And see, money is really a stress test. You know, when, when they're trying to figure out if there's something wrong with your heart physically, you go and have a stress test. Well, money is a spiritual stress test to, to indicate how big a heart you have towards God or how far you are from God. And God's all about your heart. Now, here's the really cool thing about God, and I've not found this in any other religion. God always gives the good news with the bad news. God tells us how to avoid the curse, and it's in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe. And by the way, I've had people say, well, I give 6%. Woo, is that a tithe? Now, I'm not going to make fun of you if you give 6%. I'm going to say keep going until you get to 10%. But I had a guy who was in leadership, and, and we said I was telling him, you can't make decisions about the finances of our church if you're not giving 10% because I don't believe you trust God. And if you can help make those decisions and you're not giving 10%, then you're dishonoring God. And I don't want our church to be cursed because of your disobedience. So if you're going to be making choices like that, you have to be giving 10%. Does that make sense to you? That that makes sense to me. So when I die, y'all can get somebody else. Anyway, um, here's what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. I said this last week. It's the only time in scripture God says, test me. I double dog dare you. Says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. God says, I will protect you and provide for you in ways. When we started this church, we had no insurance and no money and our kids didn't, I'm not kidding. Our kids did not have to go to the doctor for two years. When we started this church, I believe that's in in faithful response to this verse. God protects and provides in ways you can't even imagine when you trust him. Now, the Old Testament was very clear. The firstborn belongs to God. The first fruits belong to God. The first part is a big deal to God. Now, when we get to the New Testament... Jesus was raised from the dead on Sunday. We call that the first day of the week. And and they thought it was really cool that Jesus died and they didn't have to offer the animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus died. And they thought it was awesome that he rose on the first day of the week. So they started having this party one day a week where they would come together and worship Jesus on the first day. And that's why we like to have good music. This is not a funeral. Our, our, our Savior is risen. His tomb is empty. We're not sad. This is a celebration. We want you tapping your toes. We want you moving. It's okay to dance. We sing about dancing all the time and nobody dances. And if you're Baptist, it's because you're scared of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) If you're Pentecostal, you're scared of the Baptist. Anyway, so we'll just, we're kind of in the middle there, but, um, The idea is Sunday is the first day of the week. And so the reason we come together and worship is because the first day belongs to God. This is New Testament. The first day belongs to God. That's your next thing on your listening guide. Now, in the New Testament, the most important thing to God in his economy was the church. It's called the bride of Christ. And um, so when God tells us to bring the 10%, if the bride of Christ is his most important um, thing in the New Testament, where would you think he would want us to give the 10% or bring the 10% to the local church? Now, why does he tell us to bring the money? Because if we don't, our hearts shrivel up. Um, We immediately move to ownership instead of management. We think this belongs to me. And God says, no, it all belongs to me. It's like when when the guy in the New Testament, he was going to build more barns. His barns were so full of stuff, of crops. He says, I'm going to tear down those barns. I'm going to build more. And Jesus said, God said to him, you fool. Because this very night, your soul soul is going to be required of you. And then who's going to spend your money? 
So he said he was investing in things on this world and, and not things uh, that matter for eternity. Um, we are not owners of it. God owns it all. You can't take it with you. God's looking for people who are more like rivers, like the, the Jordan River, and not like the Dead Sea. Nothing is alive in the Dead Sea because it takes and takes and takes and never gives out. God wants to see people who give out um, as his blessing. And the church is his bride, and he blesses you so you can bless his bride so that the bride can bless the world. The whole reason we exist as a church is to reach people who aren't even here today. The only organization or organism in the world that exists for people who aren't there. That's the reason we're here. Now, when you boil it all down, it really is a matter of the heart. And I got to keep coming back to this heart. Where'd I put it? There it is. It's a matter of the heart. And I want you to hear what Jesus says about your heart. Here it is in Matthew 6, 21. Your heart will always be where your treasure is. So I got a little picture of treasure. You can put that picture of treasure up there on the screen, Bobby. Now, it doesn't say that your treasure chases your heart. My heart's going to run over here. There's my... No, no, no. It says, wherever your treasure is, your heart will follow. If you want to know what you treasure, follow the money. It's true. If you look at our account, we give over and above the tithe to the church. I spend way amounts of money on my, on my girls. I have a grandson. You better believe some of my treasure is going toward that grandson. You follow the money and you'll see where your heart is. That's what Jesus said. It's a treasure principle. Now, I know some of you are going to say, but that's still, you still talked a lot about the Old Testament. Let me give you one example, and it's actually repeated in Luke, but here's Matthew 23, 23. Go ahead and put that up there, Bobby, and, and, and notice, notice what this is highlighted in. The others were highlighted in black. What, what is this highlighted in? What color? Red. Um, I don't know if you remember your mama's Bible or your daddy's Bible. Um, the words of who were in red? Why were they in red? I remember as a kid going, those must be more important. I put them in red so you would understand this is Jesus Christ speaking here. Look what he says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and Pharisees, hypocrites. He didn't have anything nice to say. He's about to say one nice thing. The only time I know he said something nice about the Pharisees, but he calls them hypocrites. He says, for you, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. Look what he says. You should what? Oh, dear Lord, it's in the New Testament. It's in red. God's son said you should tithe. Crap. Says it again. It repeats the same thing in Luke eleven forty two. You should tithe. He affirms the tithe, but do you see how he does it? You should tithe. That's just what we do. That's the baseline. But mature people are going to move past just tithing to justice and mercy and faith. You want to grow up? The baseline. We, we, this is just what we do. We tithe. But we're concerned about justice and mercy and faith. Pay attention to those things. Tithing is so basic, anyone can do it. And, I, and I'm going to tell you this. If God can't trust you with $10, he's not going to trust you with 100 or 1000 or 10000 If you're faithful in a small amount, the Bible says you'll be faithful in a big amount. Now, I want to read you one last thing from, from Robert Morris. I'm telling you, God is just rocking my world. I've got to get to the right page. Um, as I'm studying all of this, this is what Robert Morris says. 
I have to go on an extended journey and I chose three men for a special responsibility. I say to those three men, I'm going to send you each $10,000 every month. You may keep 9,000 of the money and spend it as you please, but I want to give you 1,000 each month um, to give to my wife for the meeting of her needs. As I promised each month, I send these men $10,000. After a few months, I call my wife and I ask if she's receiving the support I had arranged. Her reply is, well, the first one is sending $1,000 each month, just as you instructed him. The second one is actually sending $2,000 a month. I don't know why, but he is. But the third one sent $800 the first month, $300 the second month, and nothing the third month. Now, as a husband who loves his wife with all of his heart, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm the one providing the money for them. I've told them that they can keep 9,000 for themselves. All I want them to do was give a mere 10% so that there could be food in my house. Well, with the first man who was being faithful to follow my instructions, I'm going to continue sending him the $10,000. He's doing exactly what I asked him to do. But for the third man, the one who, uh, who, won't satis- who wasn't satisfied with the 90% I graciously gave him, I'm going to quit sending him anything, and I'm going to take the $10,000 that I sent him, I'm going to send it to the second man. Why? Because I can trust him, and he loves the things that I love. And he takes care of the things that I cherish. What the third man was doing was the same as stealing from me. We just read that. Will a man rob God? He says, let let me bring this illustration home. Jesus has gone away for a season of time. He has said to each of us, I want you to take care of my bride, the church, while I'm I'm away by giving 10% to my house. You can spend the remaining 90% as you desire. Those who obey will be blessed. Those who go above and beyond will be blessed even more. But from those who refuse to do even the minimum, he's going to take away what they have and give it to someone who will be a good steward with it. Matthew 25, 29 says, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. The rewards of good stewardship are great. Now, before, uh, earlier in, in Malachi, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. The principle of tithing started um, with with Cain and Abel. It, Abraham actually gave long before he gave ten percent to the to a priest long before the law was ever given. God does not change. The timeless principle is ten percent is supposed to come to His bride. It's also the foundation upon which all the other principles in this book and, and of the scripture are built. You have to have a generous heart. God is watching how you handle money. It's a test. And the vast majority of Christians I know fail the test of money. Would you bow your heads for a moment? God, teach us. However you need to teach us, teach us to be faithful with our breath, with our hands, with, our, with the finances you give us, with our children. You've blessed us so much, God. You've blessed us so much. We have houses for our cars And many in this world don't have a house to live in. God, teach us that you've made us rich for a purpose. You're looking for river people who will pass on your blessings to others. And make New Life the most generous church in this area. Because we want to honor you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.